a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Hope you're having a fantastic day out there. Thanks for joining us for uh, the fastest 60 minutes in radio. Got a lot of ground to cover, as always, here on KSL, and uh, we're going to get right to it today. We're going to begin with a little bit of a breakdown of the uh, current race for the Democratic nominee. Kamala Harris got out uh, yesterday. Big news. We'll break down what happened there and why and what that means for the future. We're also going to have a, a great look today. We'll have Jay Evenson uh, join us from the Deseret News a little later on in the program And he's going to share with us some things that we ought to be looking for as we look at the upcoming special session of the legislature dealing with tax reform. And uh, we just uh, heard uh, the speaker uh, on with Dave and Deb on uh, Dave and Dejanovic uh, laying out some of the things they hope to accomplish in that special session. And so Jay's just going to help us frame as citizens What are the things that we should be watching for? I know it can get really confusing uh, with raising this tax, lowering that tax, eliminating this, subsidies here. Uh, It can get real confusing real fast. So Jay's just going to help us break it down. He's going to join us at 1135 to just say, as a citizen, here's some things to watch as we get into that special session next week. We're also going to do a deep dive on the impeachment proceedings today. Uh, We'll talk about uh, what they mean, uh, what they don't mean. Uh, A lot of these are just social media moments and uh, campaign ads that will soon be cut. Uh, But we do have the constitutional scholars in front of the committee today. And then we'll talk about the path forward there. But the the thing that's really interesting, uh, Jonathan Turley, one of the witnesses, a constitutional scholar, uh, the only one approved by the Republicans of the the, uh, four witnesses today, uh, he had some very fascinating things to say. He did not vote for President Trump. Uh, He is not a supporter of President Trump. And he laid out some very interesting things that everybody ought to be looking at, uh, not just for this impeachment proceeding, but for future presidents. And he asked some really important questions. So we'll break that down in our last segment today. Uh, we're also going to have a little fun to get you ready for some Christmas shopping, uh, because every Christmas should include at least one book. So we'll have our friends from the King's English joining us. Uh, hopefully at 1120, they'll be uh, sneaking in. And we'll break down some of the their recommendations for best books, especially for your kids as you're looking for that holiday shopping. So all that to come on our show today. As always, I want to know what's on your mind today. What's going on in your world? Send us a text on the Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. Again, 57500, Utah Community Credit Union text line. Also, if you happen to miss yesterday, we've had some great response uh, to uh, our segment yesterday that we did with Scott Miller Uh, talking about these moments that uh, make a difference, what a difference a day can make. If you happen to miss that, uh, go back and listen to the podcast there. You can get that uh, either on the website or you can go to the uh, KSL News Radio app, download that, sponsored by Any Hour Service, uh, so you can always make sure you don't miss a thing uh, on our fast 60 minutes from 11 to noon 
every single day. All right, so let's jump into it. Uh, Kamala Harris, what went wrong in the Kamala Harris campaign? She came out just a little over a year ago. Uh, actually, it was in January, so not quite a year. And she came in as one of the front runners, to be sure. Uh, she is a former prosecutor. Uh, she has great chops in the Senate in terms of policy. Uh, she obviously got some great notoriety during uh, different hearings, whether those were Supreme Court hearings, uh, other hearings. Uh, she is just a uh, incredibly smart, great uh, prosecutor. And a lot of high hopes from a lot of Democrats that here you had a woman of color uh, that could really break a lot of ceilings on her way to the presidency. She had some great early fundraising numbers. And so by all accounts, she was poised to to really be a player uh, in the nomination process. And now just 60 days, just 60 days before the Iowa caucuses and we really get this thing underway, she bows out. Uh, so what happened? What went wrong? Uh, there were a number of things in my view. Uh, and these are interesting lessons for all candidates at all levels. And so I want to break down those just a little bit because I want you as listeners to be thinking through, okay, we're going to get into a whole lot of campaigning in 2020 and not just the presidency. Uh, we've got local races that are going to be hot and heated. We have a governor's race that's going to be really important. We have uh, all of our members of Congress will be will be up for election. Uh, and so there's going to be some really interesting things. So as as I go through this, I want you to start thinking about, okay, so what does that mean in terms of me looking at whether or not I should support a particular candidate? So first mistake uh, on the Kamala Harris campaign, she was never able to articulate why she was in the race. There was never a moment where she said, this is who I am, this is what I stand for, and this is why you should support me. She never got that answer right. Uh, she made a fatal mistake that many politicians do, and that is she tried to please everybody. And when you try to please everybody, you please nobody, and you always lose. And that's part of what happened. She tried to out-left Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, and then she tried to out-moderate <laughs> Joe Biden uh, and Amy Klobuchar. Uh, and as a, as a result, she ended up in this really awful middle ground. Uh, it's sort of like playing tennis. Uh, if you're going to win at tennis, you either got to be on the baseline, whacking things away, or you got to be attacking the net. If you're in the middle of the court, you're, you're toast. Uh, and that's where she ended up. She also could never answer uh, the one question that I think is the question we all need to think about before we cast a vote for anybody. Uh, and that is ask the question, What's going to make all this worth it to you as a candidate, even if you go through all of these things and all of this pain of an election and you lose? Is there a cause? Uh, is, there a, uh, is there a conversation that ha needs to be had? Is there an issue? And she never quite got to that. Uh, she reminds me very much of uh, Marco Rubio in 2016. Marco Rubio had all the flash, all the polish, all the right connections, all the right backstory. He had all of those things. And then he got consulted to death. And they turned somebody who I had seen as a very smart fighter in the United States Senate, and they turned him into a smart wimp. And I think similar things happened to Kamala Harris. She Everything was consultant certified and pollster approved. And because of that, it never resonated. 
She also was never able to really connect uh, people to the cause. Uh, This is an interesting one. We don't talk about this one a whole lot. She had a lot of early campaign cash, and part of her concession yesterday uh, was that she didn't have enough money to keep going. So she had a lot of money early, and I always tell campaigns, cash flow covers a multitude of sins, so be careful. (laughs) Because a lot of campaigns with a lot of cash uh, run into the ground because they don't take the time to get a strategy, a structure, and a set of disciplines in place so they can actually win an election. So she spent a lot of money on very bloated campaigns, a lot of travel, uh, and never really got the boots on the ground in places like Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, uh, which is where you really have to start winning the nomination, uh, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. Uh, I think one of the other things that Kamala Harris really whiffed on uh, in this whole thing was that she uh, she just didn't, she never made it about the people. It was about her. Even her early successes were just about her because people want to be part of something. So many of the early Democratic voters looked at her and she had a big organization. It's like, oh, well, they don't need me. They don't need me to go pound a yard sign. They don't need me to go knock doors. Uh, They're hard to get to. They're hard to access. Really tight inner circle. Lots of people on lots of layers building their own kingdoms. And she never made the most important ask to the voters. And that is, I need your help. We're going to do something special. We're going to do something different, but I need your help. And the people who do that are the ones who can actually win elections. It's one of the things that Barack Obama did as well as anybody uh, was ask people to become part of something. Join this cause. Do something now. Make a difference. Uh, So anyway, that's uh, a lot of uh, fallout from uh, her leaving the race. Uh, There'll be a a host of folks trying to to get her campaign staff (laughs) to get her donors uh, and to see if they can get some mojo and uh, a little bump in the polls with the people that were supporting her. So we'll continue to monitor that and watch that as we go along. We're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, uh, Margaret Neville from the uh, King's English is here live in studio. We'll talk about uh, their book list for Christmas. Don't go anywhere. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. We'll be right back. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio today. Uh, most of you know I'm a, a bit of a book geek, and uh, the most dangerous space in the world for me is a bookstore. <laughs> so this is a very dangerous segment of radio for me. Uh, but we're thrilled to have Margaret uh, Neville in from the King's English to. Talk about some books for the holiday season. Margaret, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's really my pleasure. Nothing better than a good book. Nothing better than a good book. Uh, All the years I did air travel when we didn't have internet or movies or anything else, it was like magical book time because I knew I wouldn't be interrupted. Uh, So let's get to some, uh, let's start with some of the the kids' books. Let's, Let's go with that first. I know a lot of people are looking for gift ideas. 
and a book is the greatest gift you could ever give a kid. Absolutely, and so many wonderful traditions circle around holiday books. I brought three uh, Christmas books, picture yeah. books, that are some of our favorites this year, and they're all the new ones. If you want the old ones, come up to the shop. We'll happily help you find one. Um, last year, one of our favorite books was a book called Red and Lulu uh, by Matt Tavars. This year, he did an origin story of the reindeer Dasher. Oh. It's a little more book. Illustrations are lush. You get to have a really lovely conversation at the end of it about the real meaning of Christmas. Nice. The Bear and the Star. Uh, you probably could guess what that's about just based <laughs> on the title. Um, the bear does his best to bring the holidays to the forest. Again, another charmer. He just loved it. Um, one that's a little out of the ordinary, Susan Cooper's Shortest Day. Cooper um, mm. is accompanied by Carson Ellis, a Caldecott winner for illustrations. Um, this is The Solstice. And who would think that a solstice would be a great holiday book? Um, oh, interesting. But this just makes you realize that the world goes. You know, we keep yeah. the day by day. I, and I, I loved it. I'm definitely buying a couple yeah. copies of that. <laughs> um, as far as kids for younger readers, yeah. there are so many good choices. And at a bookstore like ours, people read them. And you come in with your child or you come in to purchase books for your child. And we want to have a conversation. We want to make sure you have the best possible yeah. book that when you're done reading it regardless of your age you'll want to read another one yeah and that's that it's one of the things that i love about a bookstore is yes. you can actually go in and have an experience it's different than just ordering it on any other digital place uh and having it just show up on your doorstep there's something about being in the bookstore absolutely. that i think is just absolutely magical joy yeah <laughs> all right i want to get to uh, a couple of other books here uh in our uh, short time together today as we talk about these great holiday books i want to get to the uh the one that caught my eyes and just for the visual for all of you uh, margaret came in with a bag of books uh which nothing nothing brings a smile more to me than a big bag of books and uh, so so tell us a couple others that are on the hot list here. well uh Gwen's newest book, he, uh, he's a well-known, renowned, uh, historical uh, narrative writer, uh, and it's so readable. His latest book is called Hymns of the Republic. It's the last year of the Civil War, and tragedy occurs in so many ways, and when it's self-inflicted, it seems even worse. Yeah. Grant has taken over the army mm -hmm. on the Union side. Uh, Lincoln is doing anything he can to stop the war because at his heart, Lincoln, of course, never wanted war. Right. Um, the South is so mired in this mess that they're actually proposing that they let slaves fight. That idea seems so preposterous, doesn't right. it? Because if you're really freedom or fight, you got to be kidding. <laughs> um, the book reads like a novel in so many ways, and it's uh, a fantastic piece of nonfiction. Mm. And I would really we need to know our history to move yeah. forward and this book's a great example of that yeah Hym hymns of the republic hymns of the republic historical fiction um is really awesome this year too uh nickel boys colson whitehead who wrote the underground railroad which was a narrative about the underground railroad right. during the height of slavery uh, with a touch of magical realism mm. his new book is about a facility in florida that was a juvenile detention center, basically, that uh, both only boys went to. And, of course, mm. it was an era when there was segregation even in places like that. It's a brutal read um, told by a young man that survived it. it mm. is a, it's a chance for reflection. He's such a great writer. 
that despite the horror of it, it is so readable. I couldn't put it down. Yeah. Um, I loved. Um, I'm still doing another. Now I'm doing another piece of non or historical fiction. Ruta Sapetis, a woman who's first generation Lithuanian, has been writing for the young adult market for a while, but her books cross over so well. In some ways, they should have been written for the adult market, and then right. we could have sold them to the young people. Mm-hmm. Um, her latest book's called The Fountains of, si- Fountains of Silence. Um, there's been an uptick of interest in the Spanish Civil War and Franco and the... Mm. and ha- Well, we ignored him. Yeah. Like many other dictators we've right. ignored over the centuries, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and this is a story of a young man and his family from Texas who are going to uh, Barcelona uh, at the height of Franco's power and and this, the young man doesn't know it, but they're going to adopt a child. Yeah. And it turns out, this is the real part, that Franco was basically taking babies from poor women, yeah. telling them the babies had died, and selling them in the adoption market. Wow. Um, but this novel was so wonderful because exploring um, who you are and where you're from and how it works in our lives. I love the history. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um and it is also, again, another invitation to a conversation. Yeah, that, and that's what that's what I love most about uh, books, especially if you're going through them as a family uh, or with your kids or with a, a spouse. Uh, it just gives you a chance to have different kinds of, of conversations. If you're just joining us, we've got Margaret, um, excuse me, Margaret Neville from uh, the King's English with us here today. We've got just about a minute left, uh, Margaret, as people are are out looking and thinking about, you know, these holiday gifts. What do you hope they're thinking about as they're looking at? It's easy, again, to just kind of look at the list uh, on a website. Uh, Why should they come in and have a conversation with you about the book? Well, our bookstore, like most small independent bookstores, is full of people like me that like to read. And I, I love to read, and I think reading is the antidote to so many things that Adults are complaining about today as far as kids and screen time, but it's true for the grown-ups. And the goal is to make sure we can find the absolutely best book for the person that's going to read it. So the parents may not want the kiddo to read a graphic (laughs) novel or the adult might want his mother to read the book on self-help, but let's find the one they want to read. That's right. Let's, And then, like you said it already, the conversation, a conversation about a book doesn't require anything personal as far yeah. as gossip about family matters right. or <laughs> politics can come into it but it's a safe place a to have a conversation place. you can talk about somebody you aren't yeah. related to and you can have a conversation it's great yeah. reading uh. is really awesome i'm friends with a lady who does a column now for the trib and cannon and every year her mother gives all of her grandchildren a book uh, but mm-hmm. in the book she writes a note about their last year yep Love that. Isn't that great? So not only do you get a book as a gift, an invitation to read, but you, in her case, her kids are getting these great notes from their mom, grandma. What a treat. Yeah, that, right. that is a uh, great tradition. We've, we've done that in our home for years, uh, right. you know, giving that. And then it is, it's the note on the inside of the book that often propels it. And I've, I've shared on this show before, you know, I had a third grade teacher who just for no reason, wasn't even the holiday, she gave me a book, but she wrapped it up and she wrote a note in it. And it changed my world, my view of history and and all of those things. So we love the King's English, and uh, thanks so much for being with us today. It was our pleasure. Happy holidays. All right. Get a a book. A book will start a conversation, uh, and that's what this is all about. All right. Time to step aside. When we come back, we'll be joined by the great Jay Evenson. Uh, We're going to talk about what you should be thinking about as the legislature has a special session talking about your taxes. Stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. 
Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and I uh, hope you're having a fantastic Wednesday out there today. As our fastest 60 Minutes in Radio continues to rocket along, we're uh, very excited to have in studio with us Jay Evenson from the Deseret News. And uh, Jay, one, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. And you are the great Jay Evenson, <laughs> not just Jay Evenson. Uh, a lot of talk going on about taxes, tax reform, special legislative session next week. Uh, I think a lot of the public is a little confused about where we are, what could happen, what might happen, and even what should happen. And uh, you wrote a, a great piece today about some things that you hope voters keep in mind and some things you hope the legislature uh, members actually keep in mind as they, they go through. So let's start out. What what should we be looking for? Well, first of all, there's a great reason to be confused because we really haven't seen the final bill yet. That that doesn't come out until <laughs> Red <Monday>. flag number one. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your first problem. Well, I outlined four things, uh, a couple of them that I think uh, lawmakers need to keep in mind as they're doing this because uh, apparently they're going to do this no matter what. Um, the first is I'm tired of hearing them say that they are going to be restoring the full sales tax on food. Mm. That word restoring supposes that the money belongs to the government. It doesn't. It belongs belongs to to the people. people. Yeah, great point. What they are going to be doing is increasing the sales tax on food. We're talking about unprepared food, grocery items. From the current 1.75%, we're talking about the state's portion of sales tax, to 4.85%. That's a tax hike. Now, you can argue that it's taking away an exemption, a tax exemption. Mm -hmm. But if you go down that route, you have to look at all the exemptions that the state is giving for taxes. The Tax Commission has outlined these, and and I can't remember the exact figure. I have it in my column. It's hundreds of millions of dollars that uh, we're not getting every year because of these exemptions. Exemptions, And we generally give those uh, for reasons of economic development. Big business. Big business, big employers, and, and there are reasons for that. Sure, sure. Absolutely. But uh, that if you're going to if you're going to do it for economic development, this exemption has been for helping struggling people, poor people afford groceries, which is a necessity of life. Yeah. So it's a policy statement as well as a tax increase. Yeah, I think that's so important. You have, you have to really play these out in a, uh, you know, what are the unintended consequences? What does it do to the poor and the most vulnerable uh, and, and so part of that gets to a uh, a point that you raise uh, in your column, uh, and that is uh, we've always heard the phrase speed kills. Uh, mm-hmm. Are we going too fast? Well, there are so many moving parts to this. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you jump ahead you know, to, to, to number three on my list of four things, it is that um, a lot of what they're doing here depends on voters next year agreeing to change the state constitution so that income taxes can be used for something other than public and higher education. Right, right. And then the plan is that they'll be they'll be using some of these uh, sales taxes that they're increasing to help education. Well, what if we pass this portion of uh, of reform, which includes, by the way, a reduction in the income tax, yeah. which funds education, right? 
And then we come up next year and voters reject that idea. Voters have been known to be fickle and reject things. They rejected a, a, a gas tax hike last year yeah. that would have – part of that money would have gone to education. Yeah. So what – you know, what if, what if that happens? What is plan what B in yeah. that case? What I'm saying is what they really ought to be doing is waiting to hold that vote first and see what voters think and then, and then proceed, proceed with – tax reform based on the facts at hand what money do we have to work with very interesting uh before i ask you your uh, your next point there uh we had the uh, speaker wilson uh, join dave and janovic earlier uh during the uh, 10 o'clock hour uh, and i want to play just a little bit of sound and have you uh, respond uh listening to kind of his take in terms of what he's doing and what he's hopeful for uh, going into this special session cut for Utahns in place uh, before the end of the year so they can see the benefit of that tax cut in 2020 and not have to wait until 2021. And it's an important piece of of our state. You know, we've been very prosperous here. The economy's uh, doing well, and we think that uh, state government needs less money, and we'd like to give some of that money back to Utah families. Uh, They're the largest winners in this tax cut, uh, but every, almost every Utah will see a reduction in their taxes. Okay, so again, that speaker, Brad Wilson, uh, was on with Dave and Dejanovic during the 10 o'clock hour today. Uh, Jay, as as you listen to the speaker there, uh, again, there's some of those things that sound really good. Uh, What does that really mean to the uh, average Utah, the average Utah household? Uh, Again, what should we be watching for as voters going into next week? Well, lawmakers believe that... uh the, the income tax is, is it's tied to productivity and that you can help economic development most by reducing the income tax. There's some truth to that, but we're never going to be able to compete against states like like Nevada and yeah. Wyoming that don't have an income tax. Right. Um, but yes, there will be there will be a reduction in in what a lot of Utahns pay an income tax. There are a couple of caveats, though. He seems to say we need to hurry this so that you can begin seeing that reduction on January 1st. Well, I've spoken with the State Tax Commission, and they make it clear that it's going to take some time for them to compile the new tax Get the new schedules, schedules and, yeah. and tables. And they say that uh, Utah workers need to go in and change their withholding to reflect those new schedules if they want to see this income tax cut reflected in their paychecks. So so hurrying with this is doesn't necessarily mean people are going to notice it right away on January 1st. Right, right. And the other thing is that there are a lot of tax hikes included in this uh, tax reform uh, uh, bill. Right. Uh, they'll be increasing, they'll be putting a sales tax on gasoline, which will be about 12 cents 12 cents, more that's uh, not small. Per gallon. Yeah. And one of the things they're proposing to keep public schools funded is to allow school districts to greater leeway to increase property mm-hmm. taxes. Well, you have to remember there is no such thing as a state taxpayer. Every taxpayer pays taxes from the state, from local governments, right. from their local school districts. And you just look around right now, Salt Lake County is increasing its share of the property taxes. If you live in Utah County, they're proposing a rather large increase yeah. in their property taxes. You add school districts on top of that, and then you add some of these other taxes they're talking about. I don't know if reducing the income tax by 0.31% 
is going to make up for all that. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating discussion. Uh, I think I think everyone agrees, and I think the legislature is right to say, "Hey, we've got to fix this. Things are changing. We need to address it." Uh, as you uh, great uh, job in pointing out in your column today, Jay, that uh, we've got to make sure we've got transparency. We have to make sure we're not in too big of a hurry. We, we got to make sure that we're uh, framing things properly uh, in terms of the restore versus raise. Uh, that's a very interesting conversation. So these are all things we'll continue to monitor uh, as we go into next week and this special session. Uh, if you happen to miss anything today, either on this show or on uh, Dave and Dejanovic earlier, uh, make sure you go to the KSL uh, page and uh, go to the podcast. You can hear all the conversation. Stay tuned. A lot more to come uh, when it comes to taxes. Jay, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd. All right, when we come back, uh, I'm going to share with you an interesting highlight from the impeachment proceedings today. One I think everybody ought to be thinking about. Jonathan Turley weighed in with a magnificent quote from a man for all seasons, Sir Thomas More. Not great insight for then, great insight for today. Stay with us. You'll hear it next on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Inside Sources on a Wednesday. Hope you're having a good one out there. As always, you can weigh in on the text line, Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. Again, 57500, only when it's safe, because safety first around here. That's important. Uh, in our last segment today, I want to talk a little bit about the impeachment proceedings. Uh, obviously, that's been uh, flooding the uh, airways and the newsrooms uh, for a long time now. And now we've entered this new phase. We're in the Judiciary Committee now, 41 members of the Judiciary Committee. And uh, today is is interesting. They're on break currently uh, in Washington, D.C. They will be reconvening shortly to continue uh, their questioning. Uh, The four witnesses this morning were all constitutional experts of uh, one form or another. Uh, and uh, I want to focus for just a minute on uh, the uh, the testimony uh, that came through from Jonathan Turley. Uh, now, it should be noted that Jonathan Turley was the only one of the four uh, that the Republicans approved of as coming in as a witness, uh, although it's also very important to note that he actually began his his testimony by saying, I do not support the president, and I didn't vote for the president, and that's irrelevant and it should be irrelevant for all of us in our testimony today because we should be not talking about this president. We should be talking about the presidency uh, and what happens and what was written in the Constitution and how that should be applied. Uh, so it was a very interesting uh, beginning. In fact, he even started out by saying everybody's mad. <laughs> that, that may be the most truthful statement that's been made in the committee today. Uh, everyone's angry. He said, I'm angry. He said, my wife's angry. My children are angry. Even my dog is angry. Uh, and then he went on to declare that his dog was a golden doodle and they never get angry. And the dog was angry. Uh, and we see a lot of that. We see a lot of the members of this committee who are just looking for their social media moment. Uh, they're trying to make a splash. They're trying to make a name. They're trying to do something they can send out as a fundraising letter. Uh, and that part just bothers me because it's not helping us get to the truth. It's a distraction. And uh, when Jonathan Turley closed out his testimony, uh, his opening statement uh, before questions uh, have begun to be asked, uh, he he went somewhere that I thought was just absolutely brilliant. And I don't care if you are the most pro-Trump Trump person, and I don't care if you are the most anti-Trump person. Uh, wherever you fall on the political scale, uh, he gave something for all of us to think about. And so as he got to the end, uh, he referenced a uh, scene from uh, A Man for All Seasons, that uh, climax moment uh, in that discussion with Sir Thomas More, uh, let's take a brief listen. 
I will conclude with this of a scene from A Man for All Seasons by, with Sir Thomas More when his son-in-law, William Roper, put the law, suggested that More was putting the law ahead of morality. He said More would give the devil the benefit of the law. When More asks Roper, would he instead cut a great road through the law to get after the devil? Roper proudly declares, yes. Would you cut a road through the law to get at the devil? Uh, that is a very interesting statement. So again, take President Trump out of the way. Uh, if, you're, if you have someone that you detest so much that you would cut through the law to be able to get at them, uh, that's, that's the question. And Sir Thomas More says, no, I would not do that. Roper said, yes, I would cut through the law if I could get my shot at the devil. Turley continued by saying this. Moore responds, and when the last laws cut down and the devil turned around on you, where would you hide, Roper, all the laws being flat? He said, this country is planted thick with laws from coast to coast, man's laws, not God's. And if you cut them down and you're just the man to do it, do you really think you could stand upright in the winds that would blow then? And he finished by saying, yes, I'd give the, the devil the benefit of a law for my own sake. Uh, that is a fascinating statement, <laughs> that if we cut down and we cut through all the laws, all the processes and procedures established by the founders to protect individuals, to protect each of us, if we cut all of those down and the law is laid flat, where will we hide when the shoe is on the other foot? Uh, when the tides turn, is there anywhere to hide? And so there, there's great import in the, the words of the Constitution, the laws of the land all matter. So Jonathan Turdy finished by kind of bringing it all full circle. And I hope every one of the 41 members of the Judiciary Committee in the House of Representatives listened to how Jonathan Turley brought this all together and back to them. So I will conclude with this. Both sides of this controversy have demonized the other to justify any measure in their defense, much like Roper. Perhaps that's the saddest part of all of this. We have forgotten the common article of faith that binds each of us to each other in our Constitution. However, before we cut down the trees so carefully planted by the framers, I hope you will consider what you will do when the wind blows again, perhaps for a Democratic president. Where will you stand then when all the laws being flat? That was brilliant. If you missed that, you can go back and catch the the podcast later on today. Uh, This is something that we all should be thinking about because what he said was what we have forgotten as a country. He talked about the demonization of anyone who disagrees with us. So if you're a Democrat, you're demonizing the Republicans. The Republicans are demonizing the Democrats. And in all of that, we are forgetting the faith that binds us together. The bond, the Constitution that binds us together as a country, the laws that keep it all in order and in place, that if we forget all of those things, if we lay all of those things flat, then where will we hide? Where will we find refuge when the winds blow the other direction? And we've seen this in so many different ways in Washington, D.C. over the last four or five years Uh, We've seen the nuclear option be deployed in the Senate, first by the Democrats. And then when the Republicans had the chance to restore a regular order in the Senate, they chose not to. Why? Because they could and because they were in power. And again, laying flat the laws of the Senate. Uh, Our good friend James Walner talked about that uh, on air with us yesterday. 
and it's too convenient. It's too easy when you have the power. Right now, the Democrats have the power in the House of Representatives. Yes, they can lay flat all the rules uh, regarding impeachment so they can get at President Trump, which is what they want to do. And if they do that, what's going to happen when it's a Democratic president going through this process? Because surely that day will come. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't come soon, and I hope these things don't come often. But part of the reason they are coming, part of the reason they are coming, is because of the demonization that we're allowing to take place in our nation, that we're forgetting the ties that bind us together as Americans, the Constitution, the principles, the values that have made this the most successful country in the history of the world, and have lifted more people out of poverty than any system in the history of the world. And we're willing to lay that flat for political gain or for, or for political power as we continue to go through these impeachment proceedings and a host of other proceedings. Uh, there's a lot at stake and a lot going on in Washington, and far too much of it is being done by the weaponization of words, the demonization of, of opponents, the contempt that we create for one another. Uh, that's what's hurting the country the most. And that's the thing I want you to be watching for. As you watch the news, as you consume the news, uh, as you listen to these proceedings and a host of other things that are going on, ask yourself, is this just a weaponization? Is this a demonization of the other side? Uh, Or are we really getting to the truth? Because the truth is what will bind all of us together and protect the country and allow the citizens to do what we do best. That's going to wrap it up for us today. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. As always, as you go out in the world today, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference.